Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit VALottery.com. Hello, everybody. How's it going? I was having such a hard time, Jake, coming up with an intro for this one. Hello, everybody. How's it going? It's your bag-headed, <laughs> random as fuck, Faustian wizard, Holden McNeely. Does that work? It's great. <laughs> and it's me, your super cool, nearly immortal, half-dragon, uh, giant Zippo-carrying, cool ninja headband. But I'm not a ninja. I wear a leather jacket, but half a leather jacket, so you can see my cool abs. I am... Tired of this world, but I have a heart of gold. I am the ultimate main character of an anime fighter, Saul Jake. How you doing? I was hoping for Jake bad guy. Yeah. I'm a great guy. <laughs> yeah, Jake I'm a great person. <laughs> Saul Jake. Uh, and today we have an awesome guest. And thank you so much for joining us to talk about Guilty Gear, which, by the way, is what we're talking about today. If you didn't figure that out from the bizarre as hell intro. Uh, Wooly, thank you so much for joining us to talk about the history of the incredible franchise Guilty Gear and, of course, uh, Arc System Works as well. Pleasure to be here. Uh, I I love me some Guilty Gear. (laughs) And, I mean, I will say, I think we're naming it Guilty Gear because the new game's coming out, Guilty Gear Strive. I feel like at the time of this recording, it will hopefully already be out, unless, of course, they postpone it one more time because of the netcode. We'll see. No, I, I'm pretty sure it's coming out. And uh, But I will say, you could almost call this an Arc System Works episode in a sense, because I do want to talk a little bit about Blaze Blue. I want to talk about the history of that company. I want to talk about Dragon Ball Fighters because I think it all that DNA kind of is all in, in the same sort of pot. I mean, I have three pages of notes about the Battletoads port for the Sega Genesis, so we better get it. (laughs) Um, uh, But yeah, we always start with the gush. I guess, first of all, I want to start with the synopsis. Usually I wait a full 10 minutes before I give a synopsis because A, I forget, and B, I assume everyone knows uh, what we're talking about. But I feel like this one, maybe you may not have heard of it uh, uh, if you're listening to this episode. So I'll just say Guilty Gear is a si- uh, series of fighting games from developer Arc System Works, whose founder and CEO is a man named Minoru Kaduka and was originally created and designed by artist Daisuke Ishiwatari. It also has a spiritual successor with the Blaze Blue series, and Arxis also uh, put out that fantastic Dragon Ball fighting game as well that I just mentioned, Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, and then we usually start, Wooly, with the gush. Uh, and we, the gush is essentially our personal experience with uh, the game, and you're probably going to have the most, uh, uh, I think, pr- extensive and fascinating one. I'll just say for myself, uh, got back into fighting games with Street Fighter. I had never heard of Guilty Gear at that point. With Street Fighter Five, I should say. I was like streaming it and stuff. Some of the people in my Twitch community... Um, they uh, just turned me on to Guilty Gear. Uh, I think Dragon Ball Fighters was also kind of coming out around that time. But uh, yeah, I got Guilty Gear uh, Exerd Rev 2, 
and it sort of blew my mind. And then I remembered, I was like, oh, that's the game the Giant Bomb guys were talking about. I believe they gave Guilty Gear Exerd a best-looking game um, of in their Best Of End of the Year awards or whatever. And that's, I think, the very first time, actually, I technically heard of Guilty Gear. And they were just talking about this crazy 2.5D effect that they were instilling into their game that it was wasn't just like a 2d sprite render that it was actually rendered in 3d just so they could do these flashy like end of a match moment Mm -hmm. sort of things and i looked up the video of it and i was like wow this is unlike anything else i've ever seen then i got into guilty gear exert rev 2 and just enjoyed the story stuff enjoyed the characters that really just the character designs and after playing a lot of Street Fighter V, really seeing some incredibly innovative uh, fighting game mechanics in these different uh, wildly designed characters and have just super enjoyed it uh, since. And now I'm just very psyched about Strive because I feel like when I got into Exerd Rev 2, like nobody was really playing it as much anymore. Um, and they were kind of were onto Dragon Ball. So I'm really excited for Strive to be this like kind of uh, centerpiece for a little while for people in the fighting game community. Um, all right, I'm done yammering. Uh, Jake, do you have a personal, any personal uh, relationship with Guilty Gear? So the weird thing about Guilty Gear is uh, my first contact with it was definitely when I was like a shitty uh, young teenager, literally in my parents' basement on like 4chan back when it was uh, a place where you just saw weird gore pictures and hentai gifs and not the political focal spark of half of the universe, which is a weird thing to say out loud. And Guilty Gear was like, it was like a medium cut. Like people, you know, there'd be jokes about uh, the character Bridget everywhere. There'd be like gifts of Saul Bad Guy. And like, uh, it just was kind of this, I don't know. It was just this source of like, wow, crazy Japan. Like, whoa, like just free of any context. By this point, I had not really heard of Jojo. I had not heard of Berserk. I had not, you know, anime was just Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon to me at that point. And Cowboy Bebop, I guess, if we're doing late 90s. But it had always been around. It was just this kind of floating other franchise while, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter were the uh, kings of the world, of the fighters world. There was this weird little side thing, the anime fighters that were this like kind of distraction and just kind of being at the in the seeing this from afar, watching the anime fighter kind of uh, take over and kind of become one of the more dominant things was kind of fascinating. And then, yeah, when Exard came out, uh, especially for this episode, I've been playing a lot of that and uh, just, you know, uh, watching. I was more honestly interested in the art style and the kind of singular vision of Guilty Gear as just like this one nerd's like just throwing everything cool into the kitchen sink Uh, because it really does speak to like everything from the music to the character design to the story is like something that a very caffeinated teenager would come up fully formed in their mind after like a really strong bong session. Like I remember like the, the kind of universes that like fill up notebooks that you don't have anything to do with. Uh, Ishiwatari actually got to like, make it real in a way that everyone else is like in this universe with him. And I find that fascinating. All right. Uh, Wooly, please give us your gush. Uh, ew. Uh, but do that, please. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, that's the right, that's the right energy. Like this is the brainchild of one dude, like, like Daisuke just 
you know, of course, there's a whole team uh, like alongside him. But like the fact that he is involved with the art, the fact that he's involved with the story, character design, music, because he plays music as well, even literally voice acting for Soul Bad Guy in the early games, like directing the game, battle designing and planning. Every facet of this is coming from something that. Yeah, it was probably on his trapper keeper at, uh, you know, back in high school or so. Like, this is the type of thing that you're like, that you, someone's full vision is getting, um, the, the, uh, the right, like, time and, and, and team behind it to, to make it shine true, you know? Um, for me personally, Guilty Gear, that's exactly it. It was, uh, this really rad, uh, side series in a world of Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, um, Late 90s, as you said, Guilty Gear, the original game came out and then X and then double X eventually. It was always just kind of like really um, it's like very 90s anime in character design. It was the feeling that I got. And uh, the fact that it was just like infused with metal, right? Metal was such a huge mm-hmm. theme that's like in every game and every char- character designs are all, characters are all like named after bands and 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 famous like like uh historical metal and rock and roll like people. Um the stages of some of the early games were all album covers, right? There's so much about this game is the influence and stuff that's just like awesome that like other games weren't really doing at the time, you know? I mean, I think uh I'm, as someone who loves fighting games, martial arts being a repeating theme all over the place is a common but pretty cool thing. Here, they were just going hard on like metal fantasy, you know, and when uh, it was always it was always a respected and cool franchise in the background. But when they dropped that trailer for Exerd and they showed everybody that like, oh, we've invented the 3D style of cell shading that looks like it's hand drawn the it blew away everything else all other competition and like that made that that put arxis on the map as like we're making the best looking fighting game right now and with strive about to come out it's like easily one of the best looking games i've ever seen yeah yeah right it's just like their guilty gear has been pushing the boundaries in all these different ways and i i love that they've got the spotlight right now yeah finally i feel like too uh with with strive coming out i just i hope that this is a time when people will finally be really talking about guilty gear in spaces like they weren't before and uh i'm i'm excited for that especially with i, I feel like the way that dragon ball fighters kind of busted the doors open on the anime fighter for a lot of fans which uh, i'm hoping translates to guilty gear strive i haven't gotten to play the new i mean we'll we'll jump into uh the history of uh, Arxis and everything, but I haven't, I haven't, I've, I'm the kind of dude, I don't like to watch the trailer if I know I'm going to see the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I've been waiting for the full drop. Hilariously, I went on your stream to check out a little, get a little taste of it, and you were just about to get into a match with uh, Maximilian Dude, and then the fucking match dropped, and I was so, was such a yes. blue ball moment. So that's the thing, right? <laughs> like, what you mentioned earlier about, like, you know, um, kind of Dragon Ball got some people, got people's attention, um, and then, um, you know, hopefully Guilty Gear Strive will be able to, like, pull some people in. Well, I honestly think it's going to do more than that because a really notable thing about it is that um, up until now, like this is the first game that's going to have uh, uh, in the series that's going to have what we call rollback netcode, yeah. which is basically an awesome new way of playing multiplayer and uh, and and so that you can have really good, fast, responsive matches. Up until then, lots of fighting games, especially one uh, Japanese fighting games, would use a really slow, old style of of um, connection. That was called delay based. And um, this new one having rollback will allow 
more players from more regions to connect to each other and have, and have games that feel good. So I think people are going to play it for a lot longer because they're going to have great matches. That's awesome. Yeah, I hope so. This is something I had to open my mind about because I had no idea about any of this. I I checked the Guilty Gear Reddit to be like, what do, what do the fans think? And it was just 800 memes about rollback code. And I had to be like, oh, I got to do some research uh-huh. real fast. I just heard the words fuzzy guard yesterday. <laughs> like I, I'm really in the hole for it when it comes to fighting terms. The fact is, is uh, reading tons of old interviews with uh, Daisuke uh, Ishii Watari, uh, for a while he's like, nah, it's like I want fighters to work like in arcades. That's when it's the most fun. And he kept pointing to st- well stuff we'll talk about, about how he just did not have faith in online mm-hmm. as a place where fighters could even exist. So like mm-hmm. having Strive kind of take on this, uh, what's, the, the way rollback kind of works is there's like an algorithm going on in the background that kind of like reasonably predicts what's going on and then covers for when it's wrong on a frame by frame basis. So that like, even if their delays are still kind of there because you're, crossing entire continents, the algorithm is just imperceptible enough that you can have that high-paced, high-combo, aerial kind of quick anime combat that uh, would not work with a, you know, a half-second delay on every input. Yeah. So it's kind of amazing that the promise is made real now. It is. And I mean, like, that feeling of being in the arcades with somebody is like, that's, to me, that's like the best way to play fighting games. It's very, it's just, it's such a, it elicits such great memories of like, you know, you put your quarter up and then you're, you're, you're fighting against somebody that knows more than you and you're doing your best to overcome and everyone's watching. It's a really awesome feeling. Hell yeah. Next to that is playing at home with your friends on the couch you know these are all really great ways to experience fighting games and when online uh became like a a feature people were still able to go out and play in arcades or go to their friends places or go to tournaments so online was kind of like it's there but we don't think about it too much Mm -hmm. and then as time went on like you know games became much more and more about playing on the internet and connecting to other people around the world so um they eventually did invent like this rollback netcode we're talking about. Like this is something that's about 13 years old now, but it was an, it was made uh, in North America. Whereas in Japan, because it's a smaller island and they're so close together and they had arcades, they didn't really have to think about it as much, you know? So th- it was only like now that we're in a like quarantine state where people can't go out and have these matches with anybody anymore that the realization that like, oh no, the online really needs to be good. Um, this stuff, the, the fact that they brought this in, it really does feel as if the person's sitting right next to you. You know, it's, it's incredible. Whenever there are like, like small drops or small errors it it really is a seamless thing compared to what i used to call like underwater matches Uh you know which is what it used to feel like yeah totally still feels like when i play street fighter 5 yeah the only thing missing is if you can get a webcam going so you can tell when the other person is like leaning forward because they are actually taking this seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's an invisible input back in the day when you're sitting, when you're on the arcade machines, especially like if it's a Japanese style one, you can feel the machine shake a little bit when someone's like about to panic. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hell yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into, let's go back, back in time uh, to the beginnings of Arc System Works. And uh, it was originally actually called Arc Co. Limited. 
The company was founded in January of 1988 by Minoru uh, Kaduka, who had just done a six-year stint with Sega and wanted to strike out on his own in order to focus on the new wave of home consoles as opposed to arcade games, Sega's bread and butter at the time. So it's kind of interesting. We were just talking about the difference between playing at home, playing in the arcade. The first set of projects they did were a lot of arcade ports, as tends to be with like a new uh, game dev company in Japan just starting out. They did a port of Double Dragon to the Sega Master System, which I'm pretty sure I played at some point. And they did a lot of Namco ports for the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. And there were just 10 employees at the time, and Kaduka himself was doing most of the programming. And I think it's always interesting, too, because Arc System Works is specifically known, I feel like, more so. They do they put out uh, other games, for sure, and we'll talk about that. But, you know, they're really so specifically known as a fighting game dev company. Uh, and yet, in the beginning, they were just flailing around. They, they didn't know exactly what they wanted to do. They just knew they wanted to do their own thing. Kaduka said, The idea of making our own games came right around 1994 when Sony announced the PlayStation. We still ported games and did work for hire at the time, but PlayStation introduced the CD, a new medium that had lower risks, lower manufacturing costs. And we thought, hey, this might be a good opportunity for us to start trying to make our own games. Uh, also around that time in 1994, it just so happens that they put out a Sailor Moon game, which was actually technically their first fighting game that they ever made. It has a w- very long name, and that name is Bishojo Sinchi Sailor Moon S Jogai Ranto? Question mark, explanation point? Uh, Shuyaka Sodatsutsen. I thought it was done after the exclamation point. <laughs> Question mark, but add two more words in there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it means. I did I did not throw it into translate, but uh, I love the name. Uh, they spend the next four years creating all different types of games. That game is beloved, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. That Sailor Moon fighting game is a beloved thing that people play at tournaments and take very seriously because it's wacky and it's like it's incredible. I looked it up. It definitely it definitely has a and then. It, sign of the times. I mean, it definitely has a, a Street Fighter Two vibe. Yes, I think just the way the you know menu, the the life bars look, and everything like that. The basic move sets that I was looking at seemed very, very much in in line with Street Fighter. I definitely ignored that ROM. Yeah, because I was too busy playing the Gundam Wing SNES fighter. That that's was- a good one too. That's a good one too. But that Sailor Moon one just had a resurgence in recent years because people went back and realized how insanely broken it was. Nice because like it was. It looks like Street Fighter, but it's so much more like like cheap. Yeah. And like there's you can just every character has something like infinite that they can do to you. And so it just became a wacky like post tournament. Like, let's have some drinks and play the Sailor Moon. Pop it in. Let's go. I call those a little brother game. <laughs> yeah. The game your little brother uses to make you insane. That's oh God. it's uh, it's ironic that like to childhood me, games like the Sailor Moon game, or uh, in my case, the Ranma one-half hard battle game, that's what an anime fighter was. Just a really mm-hmm, cheap-ass mm-hmm. Street Fighter yep. knockoff. You're like, hey, what's an anime fighter? I'd be like, oh, it's the Ranma one-half <laughs> or the Sailor Moon game. They're terrible. They're not great. Yeah, yeah. Kaduka said, really, it was in 98 when Daisuke made Guilty Gear. That was the one original game that put things in motion for us. So uh, Daisuke uh, Ishiwatari decided to get into the games biz because at the time, games were quite simple. It's kind of an interesting, no one no one thinks, I want to go into games because games are simple, but I guess it was back then. Uh, he wanted to be able to do what he was also enjoying with his other talents, such as illustration and music, and felt like he could put it all together in games. 
of course, especially rock and heavy metal was uh, uh, that he loved so much. And he played in bands and things like that. And so he came up with the idea for the first Guilty Gear while attending a trade school called Amusement Media that aimed to teach one all about the different avenues of making video games. So that this is where the Trapper Keeper comes in, essentially. he's he, While he's at this place getting this education, he's starting to already put this stuff down. And uh, he's also a big fan of Street Fighter. And he wants to make take the genre in a different direction, incorporating a lot of influence from manga and anime. The main influence uh, was a manga called Bastard, written and illustrated by Kazushi Hagiwara, which is also heavily inspired by a love of rock music. It's like rock rock and roll meets Dungeons and Dragons, uh, essentially, in manga form. And is it's about the kingdom of Metallicana and a wizard named Dark Schneider who must protect the kingdom from the Lords of Havoc. I didn't, I've never really fucked with uh, Bastard. Uh, I've never really gotten around to it is that do, do y'all know much about on bastard never went into it but i do know that the exclamation mark is part of the name yes it is two exclamation two. marks there's actually two. you gotta yell it <laughs> bastard yeah it's just, i'll do that next time that was definitely a title in the viz catalog that i just skipped over <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so many stories of like early or not or i like get middle i don't know 90 80s 90s japanese game devs are just like yeah i was a board student and then i just was like hey can i work at this revolutionary <laughs> games company and they're like sure he talks about how he worked on like some he was like a tester on a couple of JRPG ports that they were working on. Mm. And then he just has his fucking magic trapper keeper of cool designs and tells the studio head like, Hey, can we make this next? And he was, and they were like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. What's that? Like, what are we committing? Seven employees to make a dumb CD-ROM game? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Why not? Mm-hmm. Which is insane to me. And I just hope that we get some kind of like a Guilty Gear art book that's in the form of a Trapper Keeper. <laughs> and I don't understand why. We need to bring the Trapper Keeper back. Uh, you've mentioned it now a few times. It's making me crazy. I mean, it really uh, is the things. feeling from like <laughs> when you see some of the early the early sketches as well. You're like, oh yeah, that was to show your friends in the back of math class. <laughs> you know, that's the only reason you drew that. After school, he gets a job at Arxis and pitches the idea to Kaduka, who gives him the go-ahead. And he sets off writing story scripts, designing characters, and even composing a dope rock and roll soundtrack. So again, it's like, yeah, go make your game, but go do it yourself in a lot of ways, I think, early on. It was a huge opportunity, though, uh, for sure. So they make it for the PlayStation, this first Guilty Gear, and initially they were going to make a 3D fighter because, yeah, I think that's one of the big things. You know, I was thinking a lot about, like, Symphony of the Night when doing this episode and how, you know... Games were just, it was so hard to make a 2D game of any kind right around this time. 3D, uh, you know, platforming and it's fighters and everything. Mm-hmm. That was the cool thing, right, in that mm-hmm. time. So, so yeah, I, I love that, like, this was even just possible to be made, like, setting the stage for... Because uh, it's funny, too, I, I think, you know, there's... There's a lot of crossover, but a lot of people consider themselves a 2D fighter person or a 3D fighter person mm-hmm. and kind of stay in that lane in a lot of ways. You're like a Tekken person or mm-hmm. you fuck with, the, you know, uh, more more 2D stuff. Um, and then actually, and then I also have a friend who's like, loves Guilty Gear, doesn't like Dragon, but doesn't play Dragon Ball Fighters because he's not a tag person. Okay. Doesn't okay. like the tag approach, right? But like going back to the the early look at your, what Guilty Gear would have been like in 3D is that they were looking at um, rendering out 3D characters 
and then making the game still play 2D. Mm. So kind of like Killer Instinct at the time, you know, it would look shinier and it would look 3D, but it would still feel 2D, essentially. Oh, which is where they get to with Exert, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But but ultimately, it, it is kind of like... Uh, I, I'd say like we were on the right timeline that they didn't go that way uh-huh. because I would say that like if you go back and look at the 3D they had at the time, it looks kind of like that kind of like N64 level of like, oof, that didn't age too well in their designs. Whereas uh, where they go with the Guilty Gear X right after this is like one of the like hallmarks of like this is an amazing commitment to anime style art. You know, hell yeah. We do not have the polygons available to make that many belts. We just can't do it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to cut back on the belts. And then Ishiwatari was like, but my vision <laughs> requires belts. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah. That's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. They also wanted the game to be purposely challenging. As he noticed that other fighting games at the time were catering to casual players, he felt that did a disservice to the genre. Also, another way they tried to stand out was by having a different button layout. So... Talk about this. I mean, if you think about it for Street Fighter, you've got light, medium, heavy punch, mm-hmm. light, medium, heavy kick. Uh, this has the sort of, um, what is it, punch, kick, special, and is it heavy special? Slash and heavy slash. Slash and heavy slash, rather. Yeah, yeah. Also dust. And dust. As a an extra button. Mm-hmm. And a taunt button, right? Do they have a taunt in the first one? Yeah, provocation mm-hmm. is exactly, that's in there too. Um, the, again, it's sort of, it's the type of thing that like, and they also went like, Further with like you, if you hold back and then taunt, you can do a respectful taunt <laughs> or a disrespect taunt if you like what you see or if you don't like what you see. So, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that's great. And then there's also that instant kill, which mm-hmm. was this like, was this special for Guilty Gear for sure at the time? Like, yeah, this is a move that would end the whole match. I love it too, because if you decide to do it, but you fuck up and you don't, first of all, it ends the whole match, right? So, even I believe, so even if you're in round one, it ends the whole thing, but if you fuck it up. They just straight up take your meter away completely. Your meter just disappears. You can't do specials. So in the first game in particular, in uh, in Guilty Gear, yeah. Uh, yeah, it like in the later games, it ends the round. But in that first Guilty Gear, it ends the whole set, yeah. you know? So like you're, it's like, that's it. Pass the controller off. You're done. You got hit with one thing. <laughs> you, ki- you killed him. Yeah. Why would yeah. you get back up? It's that kind of dumb logic. That Ishiwatari keeps talking about where, like, he hated the fact that if you dashed into a character in fighting games, nothing would happen. So in the first Guilty Gear, like, you can do a little charge attack. You did, in Mm -hmm. fact, run Mm -hmm. at a person at full speed. (laughs) And so, of course, in the kill move, the round would be over because you killed them. (laughs) But in that game, too, like, you also had an escape input that you could put in right when the screen flashes red. You could quickly do an input to avoid getting instant killed. You know, so that was the defense against it. If your reactions were fast enough, um, which for most people, they weren't. And like, it was just unfair. <laughs> you know? In a 1998 uh, interview uh, that was lovingly translated by mainstay of the show at this point, nice. they were very hesitant about actually including the instant kill mechanic. But 
knowing that the uh, game would just be released uh, directly to the PlayStation, they were like, fuck it, who cares? It's not like anyone's dropping like 100 yen on a match. So who gives a shit? Exactly. You're not losing your quarter. It's such like a fighting game thing too. Like, dude, there's a move in the game that just kills you. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, the, the game, by the way, uh, was created by a team of 12 who called themselves Team Neo Blood, which rules. And uh, I hope they were like actual uh, members of a gang because it sounds like uh, dope. Uh, when, you, when the game starts up and the, the, the Team Neo Blood logo fades in slowly, it might as well be a game. That's awesome. Yeah, they uh, they consisted of folks who worked on SNK games like Samurai Showdown, The Last Blade, and The King of Fighters. There's a lot of DNA shared between some characters and mechanics in those games with Guilty Gear. The first game had staple characters in it like Saul Bad Guy, Kai Kiske, Timken, of course, Faust, uh, my my personal favorite. Um, I, I guess we could talk about, Fa- or, I mean, talk about just some of the characters in general right now. I'm sorry, are you talking about uh, original character Dr. Baldhead? Yes, mm-hmm. Dr. Baldhead, absolutely. That's Dr. Good. Baldhead. Yeah, no Faust in sight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like. I think that that really was the character that I was actually playing through his like tutorials and stuff last night for Exerd Rev 2, because uh, that really is the character that I think gave me that like wow factor for playing Guilty Gear. I was like, dude, this is so, I mean, I guess I played like Skullgirls at that time. There's some some energy like that in that game as well. But I'm just like, oh, this is just batshit crazy. Or or the uh, my favorite is that just doing quarter circle punch, he just throws a random item out. Yes. You don't know what that item's going yes. to be. It's one of my favorite fucking mechanics in a fighter. They invented the item character, exactly. Like uh, uh, other games come along, like Persona added like Teddy who does a similar thing. But yep. like really it comes down to bald head and Faust were just that like a random item comes out and not only is it not only do you not know what's coming but we can both use it so if you don't get to it first <laughs> right your opponent can get to it and use it against you it's awesome you know I love it I mean successfully getting a useful item just big out of sheer luck that's just as valid as successfully randomly guessing that you were gonna duck at a certain <laughs> point right that's like it's all sure it's all instant luck can be a skill you know and uh sure yeah it's you can like treat it like Smash Brothers right there's there's items on the field now no turning mode so yeah guilty gear the missing link was released on may 14th 1998 it is popular enough in japan that it gets that sweet sweet release in america via atlas um did you wait did you play the first one woolly like when it was when it first came out or i feel like a lot a lot of even the more hardcore people found guilty gear with guilty gear x yeah no i was on it i was on it when it came out uh i was looking for all fighting games back in that era honestly after street fighter too yeah i was just on the hunt for any fighter i could get my hands on and yeah. uh yeah i was playing it hell yeah uh so yeah uh guilty gear x uh this is the title that actually got the arcade release while also hitting all the consoles at the time even the game boy advance and the, i actually wanted to add, pose this question has there ever been a good handheld fighter yes <laughs> there are now a couple it took a while uh, they didn't know what they were doing, and like some of the earliest ones are abysmal. There was a Fist of the North Star game that a lot of people had for the Game Boy. Hell <laughs> the yeah. The original Hell that came yeah. with, with Tetris. You just summoned a memory from the <laughs> darkness. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, a lot. Everyone had that cartridge of Fist of the North Star. Uh, they weren't good. Um, they eventually started getting decent around uh, the Game Boy Advance era. There was like a game called Power Quest that was pretty cool. 
Um, no, that was Game Boy Color, actually. Mm. That was like a fun kind of Street Fighter uh, clone. And then, um, yeah, Street Fighter um, 2. Four on the Game Boy was okay. It was pretty, or on the DS was was, was pretty decent, Street Fighter 4. Yeah, so well, so they ported um, 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 Street Fighter 2 Turbo and they ported uh, Alpha 3 mm. to uh, Double Upper was the version it was called. And like, those were great. Those are really good ports, and um, you know the, I, those get respect. And I would also say the uh, the Neo Geo Pocket Color Fighters were really cool too. Like there was a SNK versus Capcom on the Wonder Swan, uh, hell yeah. and stuff like that. So you had to go looking for the good ones, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. The best portable fighter of the era had uh, Iori from King of Fighters dressed as a lady. Yeah. And I respect <laughs> Madam that. Madam X, yeah. I respect mm-hmm. that. In regards to uh, Guilty Gear X, uh, Kaduka said, Guilty Gear X really put us on the map and showed that, hey, we can make a good fighting game. This cemented the series as Arxis's, uh signature franchise. They then gave X a sequel with X2 in 2002, and as each sequel came out, the game gets more and more complex. And whoa, 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 whoa. We cannot just blow past uh, your game. <laughs> we cannot. Yeah. All right. Okay, 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 okay. Wait, there's a lot happening. I know. Okay. Um, uh, okay. All right. All right. So, Guilty Gear X, mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, they make the jump to, quote, unquote, high res, you know, 640 by 480 graphics. Beautiful Amazing. Sprites. At the time, the anime fighter, instead of just being bad anime tie-ins, they, it, they, they did it. There's double jumps and air dashes and massive combos. And for the first time ever, playing an, a fighting game feels like you're in the middle of a Dragon Ball Z fight. And it's fast and Hell yeah. visceral and kinetic and cool. And there's raging metal music. And uh, just like the... Guilty Gear X, Guilty Gear did usher that in, like before all the versus fighters kind of also did the aerial mega combo combat, right? Yeah, no, Guilty Gear brought in a lot of the hyper feeling. Um, like the the versus games went even faster and even crazier. Mm. Um, but like Guilty Gear is definitely one of the staples of early hyper fighting for sure. Mm. And in a lot of interviews, Ishiwatari it talks about how he really does not appreciate like how fighters are diminished on the console. He really thinks that the arcade one-on-one experience is too perfect and that any attempt to like put it online or do anything at uh, uh, on the, on the home level is just, is just not quite worth it. And then uh, the, with guilty gear X also gets kind of uh, wrapped up in bad rights issues Mm. because Sammy publishes it. And then they merge with Sega and like in all the rights, I, I, I don't know the exact order of events, but they lose the rights to a ton of characters that were popularized. Yeah. They basically end up having um, their main characters, but like uh, anything that wasn't essentially Soul Kai and like, I think like one or two others, they were just lost to the Sammy ownership of the brand. Yeah. Mm. So with missing these characters, uh, Ishiwatari is actually playing a ton of Western games. In interviews, he talks about how much he loves uh, Warcraft and Diablo and all of these like Western PC games that are heavily played online. Uh, he even name drops like Defense of the Ancients uh, in uh, for the Warcraft 3 mod that eventually became the MOBA genre. And so for the next, for Guilty Gear 2... He decides we got, you know, we got to do 3D graphics. We got to have online play. And the only way to do Guilty Gear right is to not make a fighter at <laughs> yeah. all. And it is 
<laughs> so uh he decides to go the well okay over on our podcast on castle superbreeze we call it a mefence of but ancients <laughs> <laughs> but uh he decides to go that route because like in addition to like again well there's the legal stuff but there's also the idea of this giant cohesive world in his head is the world of guilty gear revolves around soul and kai and the x games were side stories full of side characters but it they 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 were they weren't numbered it wasn't actually guilty gear 2 it was just the x side stories you were enjoying over the years so x double x reload slash accent core all of that stuff is like really really fun but not the central plot you know um it's as if they basically were like yeah we know you like the mandalorian seasons one through five but time to get back to empire strikes back (laughs) essentially right is what he was thinking yeah and uh well yeah from the tone of voice i can see you've seen and possibly even touched this thing guilty gear 2 overture (laughs) we all bought the humble bumble oh Oh, god (laughs) so many people now have guilty gear 2 overture (sighs) in their steam libraries it's rough and um it was a rude awakening for anyone who was excited to get into a new 3d guilty gear world because it just rips you away from the core genre you were in love with. And it brings out the new, you know, it's like, yeah, there's lanes, there's creep, there's, you know, heroes that fight each other, but it plays nothing like those fighting games did. And to be honest, like if it play, if it managed to somehow like do, I guess what league does or something like that, there could have been a way for lightning to strike twice and for this to whole become a different franchise entirely, you know, but as it is, they had ideas, but they didn't execute them fully, but it made, but it did move the story forward, mm. right? That's the, the thing in his head is that like the plot moved forward heavily in that game more so than it did in the fighting games, because the fighting games have tons of characters that have different, their own endings, which are canon, which are not. You have to watch my Guilty Gear lore series to find oh, out. Yeah. But I was just about to <laughs> We should get into the lore. We got to try. But Overture was a, a step forward in terms of story and a step backwards for gameplay, in my opinion, and many others. <laughs> it was rough. Look, every every fighting game franchise needs a Mortal Kombat mythology substance. Yeah. Right? yeah. It, yeah. Just, it, it has to happen. You need to go on. Honestly, I see it as the kind of like the uh, rumspringa, I believe, is the term for, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you just kind of. You go try something crazy, and then you're like, okay, you know what, guys? Let's get back to those fighting games, huh? Like, we're pretty good at that. It seems like they hit sort of sort of a brick wall. Kaduga said, we did everything we could with the Guilty Gear franchise at the time. The last one that we worked on was Guilty Gear XX Accent Core. With every upgrade, every change we made, the game became more and more of a niche title. The community and the fan pool got smaller and smaller with each upgrade, and the barrier to entry became higher for new players to join. And another important player in all this is a game designer named uh, Toshimichi Mori, who also went to a school at Amusement Media and had been tight with Ishiwatari while working on this entire franchise. Mori said, I thought the Guilty Gear franchise became too difficult as a game. I wanted to simplify a lot of it to kind of reset the fighting game platform. And the result of that uh, was Blaze Blue. Blaze Blue uh, Calamity Trigger was the first game, which was released in the arcades as well as PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. It initially was a much simpler fighter compared to Guilty Gear. However, it also would have, with each iteration, more complex layers 
airs. It kind of gets back to Guilty Gear, I think, as the franchise moves on. Uh, Maury said, instead of thinking of it as just a fighting game, I wanted to turn it into a single piece of content, an intellectual property. And that way, we can deploy it through many different mediums because we have a lot of cool characters here. Fighting games were still a very niche genre back then, so it really needed to have its own identity where it would be able to translate to multiple mediums aside from just a fighting game. So that's how a lot of these characters start making their way into different you know, manga, anime, all that sort of things. And they really should because they're amazing designs. The characters do just, the world seems so realized when you play like a Blaze Blue, a Guilty Gear game, especially the more modern ones. Manga, anime, pachinko machines. machines. Oh. For sure, next to the Metal Gear Solid ones. Yeah, absolutely. Pull the lever. It's such a kick in the pants. I, I watched one like history retrospective video that said that Mori and Ishiwatari were like kind of rivals mm. at some point. Oh, interesting. And I don't know if there's any more story behind that. Mm. But the world of Blaze Blue is like softer yes. in many ways from Guilty yes. Gear. Yeah, I see that. Especially for Japanese franchises, you make money on the game, sure, but you make more money on the figures, on the art books, on the drama CDs mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And so Blaze Blue is more, I guess, waifu friendly <laughs> Well, in many ways. Yeah, uh, I, I would say so. I mean, um, so the, you know, Team Neoblood eventually the, became uh, Team Red and the Blaze Blue team is now Team Blue, mm-hmm. you know? So that's a cool little thing yep. they have at the, going on at the studio. But um, I would say that like, when Blaze Blue came out, I played the first one and I and I didn't get into the the follow-ups as much. Um it was definitely kind of a spiritual successor in the sense that it was the new Arxis anime fighter. Yeah. But um my my the best way I I I would describe it is that uh Guilty Gear is a nineties anime and Blaze Blue is a two thousands anime. Yes. Oh, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's so it. Right. Yeah. And so like even the change in art style, the change in the way the characters are drawn and the way they're lit, a lot of that stuff is like it, it just it's a more, yeah, two thousands mm-hmm. take on things. It's not my, quite my taste. I do prefer that nineties look, that more like, you know, uh Ghost in the Shell, Akira stuff. Like it, it's it's got a visceralness to it but um but blaze blue does have its audience and it has uh again like a huge cast and it, it blew up into its own thing and while Ga- while guilty gear wasn't coming out there was a space for a new series to start honestly if your character designs aren't covered head to toe in very random <laughs> english words for no reason like what are you even doing give me that 90s yeah, anime goodness yeah yeah, yeah. Kaduka said, instead of being this weird developer-publisher hybrid, we focused on being a publisher who can also develop in-house. Isn't that the same thing? Either way, Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear became the pillars for us, enabling us to find that ARC brand of publishing, which is where they start really pu- putting out. As you mentioned, we mentioned Persona 4 Arena. That is actually an Arxis game, but I believe the developers were outside of Arxis. Um, and then also non-fighting games as well, uh, of, as, uh, of course, too. Maury said, we started doing a lot of exploring, including having our own events and trying new and different things we wouldn't normally have done if we were just developers. Essentially, they be become a brand like at this time like they they become a popular brand yeah and what's really cool is they also start to be known for being the fighting game developer that you can turn to if you have an IP that you want to turn into a really cool fighting game right so 
besides that, they all, you know, they had also made a really good Fist of the North Star fighting game mm-hmm. um, for the PlayStation 2. You know, like that was uh, it never got ported uh, um, to English, but it was really, really incredible. Um, and then, of course, yeah, with the, the legacy of Dragon Ball later on, Grand Blue as well. They made a Grand Blue Fantasy versus Fighter. And people are turning to them and going like, yeah, if you want a game that's going to be really solid as a fighter, but also visually like like aesthetically um, faithful to what your your characters are from a, any given manga or anime franchise, Arxis are the people to turn to for that. Yeah, for sure. Especially as and that has definitely been proven, especially over the past few years, uh, for sure, the past five, 10 years. Guilty Year Exerd and uh, uh, is the next, I think, big t- talking point for this uh, franchise. It's incredible. This is the one that brought me in. Uh, the the And yes, at this point, we've got the two different teams, Team Red with Guilty Gear, Team Blue with Blaze Blue. And this time, they wanted a Guilty Gear game that was accessible. This is always the, this is always the conversation for every fighting game. I feel like any, any interview for, with developers about fighting games, it's like, how do we do two things? How do we bring new players in? Casual players, how do we show them the ropes in a friendly way to make them feel, uh, you know, like they're having a good time while also learning a lot of information uh, and also cater to the uh, fighting game community, the FGC, and and making sure that on the pro level it's fun. And I really like the philosophy. I'll just simply say, I'll, I'll probably end up restating this in quotes, but the philosophy being like, we don't want it to be easy. We just want it to be easy for people to watch it, mm. easy for people to see it and understand understand what's happening and and enjoy and be entertained by it mm-hmm. and and i think that's the big uh talking point for a lot of the newer guilty gear uh conversations around how to you know cater to the new and to the old and it makes sense because um you know something i've always said is like the fighting game genre is really like when you look at it if you there's the, if you think um uh, about just showing it to someone who's never seen it before it's two people attacking each other and yeah. then a life bar above them uh, you know what i mean and then eventually one of those people is going to fall down so it's a lot easier to just grasp the the abstract of it compared to if you're trying to show someone starcraft for the first time yeah right uh, or a, a lot of other uh games that are you know or even like i'd say like um you know uh, a lot of other more competitive esports games that are that are more popular are visually much more complex to understand you know um even Fortnite at its peak with towering and things like that just becomes a whoa what is going on <laughs> but fighting games can get complex to play but at, as a as a, a spectator thing it is just it's two characters and two life bars you know yeah totally totally i mean you there's there's very few daigo parry moments for like apex legends which is <laughs> like in a second you can be like wow yeah yeah cool. what was that or more recently man that grand final evo i forget exactly but was it 2019 or 2018 the goichi sonic fox dragon ball fighters grand final was like oh yeah so fucking yeah. hype and so made me so excited for the for the whole because i was just kind of getting back in and uh you know that was a spectacle and that was like oh my god we're, we're getting to a place where this is exciting for i think anyone can feel that like uh excitement yes absolutely in the arena um so yeah just uh going back to guilty gear exert um Ishiwatari said, nowadays I feel like fighting games have turned into a tool to connect people and to make friends. So like here, the reason I am able to come to the US right now, we have people from around the world gathered here trying to make friends and building a community. I think it's a tool to connect people, especially with the internet and networks evolving the way they have. So that's kind of what I think keeps it fresh for me. However, the design philosophy from Ishiwatari speaks towards the games maintaining complexity. He said the high level concept is to make it look easy, make it easier to spectate, like I said just before. 
But by no means does that mean we're shaving away level of depth. That's not our solution to make it easier to watch. That's a big topic of discussion for the development team. And so, of course, the biggest game changer is how they switched from 2D sprites to 3D cel-shaded models and environments to give you that deceptive look like it's a 2D game, except for during special moments. I'm, I'm explaining it in words. Just look up footage of... Guilty Gear Exert. You can actually see it in Dragon Ball Fighters too. You can see it in uh, uh, Guilty Gear Strive. Just look up like a match from one of those games on YouTube right now and just see this badass effect they did that, uh, again, made them the best looking game, at least according to Giant Bomb in whatever year that was. <laughs> Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So it's a very weird uh, path that they took to this where uh, one of... Arcs like kind of not as popular games uh, called Battle Fantasia, mm-hmm. which uh, was female director Emiko uh, Iwasaki. Uh, the team was just kind of like thrust to do a 3D game on a 2D plane, mm-hmm. and they were learning from scratch. And uh, people thought it was like kind of impossible or like a weird use of resources, but to get that like HD fidelity on a budget, it's kind of one of the only things you can do. Supposedly, that actually influenced Street Fighter IV's direction back when Battle Fantasia came out. A hundred percent. I'm definitely not reading from a uh, Gama Sutra article from 2009 while I'm saying this. So here's what I'll tell you about that. The um, So Battle Fantasia is very instrumental because um, when the time came uh, for the new era of street of fighting games to come out, right? Street Fighter IV brought them back, to, so to speak. But in the meantime, we had seen there, there'd been a lull from uh, 2002 or so to about 2009. There had been not much going on besides Besides the Mortal Kombat, Deadly Alliance, Deception, Armageddon stuff, which, you know, the, we don't really talk about. But, <laughs> I mean, we talk about it. We just not fondly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, w- so the arcade engines had like moved and advanced way past like CPS3 and Naomi, the stuff that, you know, those older games were on. And it was like, what will new fighting games be on? So the Taito Type X2 engine is what Battle Fantasia was based on. They needed a game to show you we can do fighting games in a modern way. That'll be 3D, that'll be pretty, and that you can actually, you don't have to make sprites if you don't want to, you know? That was kind of like the, um, it was almost like the the tech demo to show off what this engine could do. And Battle Fantasia is really cool. It's a fun way of displaying exactly that. Like, they, they very convincingly showed off, like, hey, you can lock the camera in place and have the inputs feel exactly like they did back when we were playing with sprites. Uh, a couple games did that back in the past. Like, there's an old PlayStation 1 game called, like, Slap Happy Rhythm Busters. Very obscure stuff. But Battle Fantasia was the the most modern recent example of, like, showing you can do this in a, in a like, um, high-quality way, you know? And for showing off that Exerd, like, um, amazing, like, uh, um, um, cell shading. The best thing I think you can show people is like the reveal trailer yeah, of yeah, Exert yeah. for the first time because it shows you Kai and Soul standing there talking and then they have a moment and you didn't know, you don't know that it's 3D. And then they slash and attack each other. And then the camera pauses and does a little Matrix 360 yes. to show you like, oh, these are not sprites. And that's the moment where everyone goes, oh, 
oh shit, you know? It's so cool because the illustration, like the the is so clean and crisp too. So it just is nice. Ooh, mm-hmm. it looks so good. And uh yeah, Strive it just feels like a, a step, another step up in terms of the animation, everything for sure. There's a, a great video on YouTube uh on the channel New Frame Plus that breaks down kind of from an animator's perspective, all the bullshit that Guilty Gear Exart and Dragon Ball Fighters are doing in the background to trick your brain, stuff like how the individual frames are laid out like sprites, which you have to tri- you have to tell the computer mm-hmm. don't actually render the frames between each pose. You have to actively hide it uh, for, you know, you have to have hundreds of extra models like invisible in the background so that if a character, you know, a character like Faust who changes his form 800 different times in the middle of an animation, they're loading new models into every frame to get that hand-drawn look going, uh, even to the point where they, on purpose, make sure that every character has their own unique lighting specific to them yeah. and not based on the rest of the stage because that's how it works in sprite animations. Like sprite animations don't know what direction the sun is supposed to be coming from on the stage. <laughs> and again, it's all this technical tricks to make it seem dumber than it actually is. Yes. Uh, there's also an hour long GDC talk by a uh, resident English speaking uh, artist on in Arxis junior Christopher Motomura. That is an hour long and highly technical <laughs> Uh, I like the new frame plus because it's shorter and has all the eye candy and just goes like, this is why you think this is cool. And I go, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, like there's, there's a lot of moments in that where, um, you know, there are things that happen when, when you render out a, a, like something in 3d automatically, like a, a punch in Tekken or something where, you know, it has to show you a fist, like chart winding up fully extending and then coming back. And you don't quite realize that like, by cutting that into shorter and shorter frames, like the impact feels stronger and feels more like those older PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 era things, you know? So like, yeah, you could go into that GDC talk and kind of see like where the game, like it has more detail and they're hiding some of it from you <laughs> to trick your brain into thinking that you're still playing something 2D. It's, it's, it's unbelievable, you know, the lengths they go to and it worked out so well. Hell yeah. Another 2.5D fighter uh, that comes after that is Dragon Ball Fighters. Fighter Z. How do you say it? Dragon Ball Fighters? <laughs> Fighters. <laughs> I mean, Blaze Blue, Blaze Blue, blah, blah. Blast Blue. No, I, I pronounce know. that blah, blah. What are we doing here? But I'm also uh, French descent. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, this one is a 3v3 tag fighter. I kind of mentioned, I think I mentioned that earlier. The thinking behind that actually was, uh, according to producer Tomoko Hiroki, quote, it would feel a bit odd to see Goku being defeated by Krillin. So they wanted to have characters in there that were sort of like, I don't know if that fully tracks, but they wanted to have like Krillin being more of a support character, but in the mix in a way that, I, I mean, I, I don't know. But from what I see, I think Krillin, Krillin definitely could take out Goku in, a, in Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, I think, anyways. There was that hot second where Tien Shinhan <laughs> was the broken OP character right at the beginning, and I thought that was kind of ironic. Yeah, get hit with the palms, you know? I think, honestly, that's been a problem with a lot of Dragon Ball games was just kind of like, well, these characters are not meant to be fair and evenly balanced. There there are power levels uh-huh. to literally tell you how much stronger they are from each other. But when it comes to a game, yeah. you want them to be fun and fair and you want, you know, 
it, it, it's a, it's in a fighting game. You like, yeah, Krillin's not as strong as Goku, but that shouldn't matter. Yeah. They should they should have they should both have a shot, you know. And I also think as well, like the the idea of like not to mention it's like okay, well if he if Krillin can beat this Goku, what about the other one on the select screen over there or the fifth one behind him? You yeah. know, there's always another Goku that's a bit stronger. So yeah, there's also we should mention if you've never played Dragon Ball Fighters, there's like eight versions of Goku, and, and like they keep releasing more. Hey, one of them's Goku's dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a lot of fun, though. I think uh, I, I this was such a great design philosophy approach that I just wanted to bring up. They talked about how they were like, if we did a one to one from the actual anime and made it translated it into a fighting game, it would actually be boring. What we needed to do was take people's nostalgia, the way people remember Dragon Ball Fighters. We need to tap into that and translate that into a modern fighting looking fighting game. And I think they destroyed it on that front. Like I think they made a game that made fans see what they see in their head when they think about Dragon Ball, even though it's way flashier and more uh, just wildly visually stimulating than it actually was. Yeah. And here's how, and like you, here's how you can prove that. There's a, a series of videos you can watch on YouTube that break down the every move that characters do in that game mm-hmm. and where it comes from. And every single attack, gesture, and even like flying and walking animations have a reference to a panel or a page from the manga. Yeah. Everything is faithful to the original source material. Like they, they, they barely did any like customizing and making up their own stuff for it. Doesn't Frieza, when he, th- when Frieza throws the discs, you have to duck in order to, uh, to miss them. On the way back. On the way back, they hit you if you, uh, yeah, when they come back, they can hit both of you as well. And that's a moment that is straight up from the anime, yeah. Absolutely. And just like every, every like the camera placements will sometimes shift as well to emulate the panels of like, you know, like, oh, that one time when Trunks like slashed up Frieza and then like blasts him, you know, like they put it exactly in the way that you read it or first saw it on a, in the anime. So that's the most like you can do to recreate what's in people's heads. It's an amazing kind of culmination of everything we talked about with the release of fighters, because uh, literally one of the initial influences for guilty gear was, Oh, I want to capture this kind of anime style of fighting that isn't translated to just two guys and geese punching each other in a tournament, you know, that high flying multi-hit super combo over-the-top super, you know, big beams, big uppercuts, launching people into the sky, having entire exchanges while in the air. You know, these are the things that were in a otaku's imagination when he thinks about martial combat that fighting games didn't capture, and thus the anime fighter was invented in that void and refined over all these years, and its ultimate moment of triumph over Capcom and, uh, you know, NetherRealm. It was, if you remember, it was a rough period in fighting games when mm-hmm. Fighters came out. Yeah. Uh, you know, its ultimate moment is when it finally got to take that promise and use it to tell, to, to portray the world of Dragon Ball, which was where half of these, like, fighting tropes and pacing kind of came to fruition. Inspiration, where it came from, yes. Yeah. And it was a labor of love, you know? Like, they they did it faithfully. They brought in um, just, like, all the all the things they learned from Exert and and 
uh, all the lessons of just like how to make dynamic feeling fights, as you mentioned. Um, the uh, they brought in the uh, super dash button, which is just a like float up in the air, yeah. power up, and fly yeah. towards the opponent wherever they are. You know, and um, a lot of the the things they do, even just aesthetically, like there's um knocking the opponent at the end of the round yes. out of the screen yes. into like a canyon, <laughs> you know, on Namek or something, and then you and then the next pertinent person you're gonna fight go flying into the next transitional area and it's like they really just keep up the high octane feeling you know it was uh, again a labor of love which leads to such good tournament moment stuff too i think they finally really started to tap in to what makes tournament play really fun to watch and really exploited that in this game it feels like and uh, also yeah i think just did even more so this time they had to really make it fun to bring people in uh, for the first time. I will say too, I want to throw it out there for Exert. I don't know if it's the same with Exert as Exert Rev 2. I played it in Rev 2. Fantastic tutorial. Mm. Like if you want to know, I think I think as far as tutorials go for fighters, like because I'm I'm someone who would know because I just came back to them for the first time since like way back, like mm-hmm. Street Fighter 3 Alpha probably it was like back when I was playing before. I kind of missed all of 4 in that era. And uh, yeah, the tutorial for uh, Guilty Gear Exert Rev 2 Dragon Ball Z has a pretty solid tutorial as well, especially in terms of learning a a tag fighter uh, for the first time. And I would also say Skullgirls has a fantastic uh, tutorial as well for new players. Uh, Just just that teaches you the bit that actually teaches you like the need to know for brand new on on a level that w- will help you with every fighting game. I was doing Gatling combos in no time with that uh, <laughs> tutorial. Well, that's cool. You're not going to need them in Strive, though, because they're gone. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> the, yeah, the tutorial uh, uh, explaining fighting games to new players. It's honestly, for people that are in the community, this is a constant topic of, like, what's the best way to approach it? And Rev2 goes out of its way with a really great, yeah, really great tutorial system, yeah. and as well as um, the list of missions that are just, like, things that are going to happen that are like when you're fighting Kai sometimes there will be this one moment that you should know about yeah here's a way to practice that um they do that Skullgirls as you mentioned is really great at that and I want to say um Undernight Inbirth as well I want to give them credit for doing a great job Undernight Inbirth is uh actually and I believe okay I think I might get this right this time that's technically not Arxis developed right that's not Arxis yeah that's French bread uh they made Melty Blood. And that's a great one, by the yes, way. I, I've one. definitely put some put some hours into that one, too. That's a super fun, uh, super fun fighter. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then we have, of course, up to modern day Guilty Gear Strive. It was first announced at Evo 2018. It's using the Unreal Engine 4. And, of course, uh, Daisuke Ishiwatari is returning to direct. Uh, this game got might as well be called Guilty Gear Delayed. <laughs> it got delayed because of COVID. It got delayed because they... And I'm glad they did that. I love when I here they're they're like hey off the beta we realize we have a lot more work than we thought when it comes to their their lobby system yeah the rollback netcode as we mentioned before they're still trying to work that out and 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 tweak it and get it get it right and so well a guilty gear always has this funny lobby system it's like this like you're this little like cartoony kind of um tofu boy yes and walking around you sort of in like a little arcade or something like that this one's a little different it's like weird i i forget the game reference that i had for it but it has a very specific kind of look yeah i mean it uh uh like people are kind of calling it habo hotel uh-huh. uh because of the way you're jumping around and stuff but like so the 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 earlier games like uh, accent core back in the double x days is just you join a lobby join a list and it'll be a list of names and it works and it works really well 
Um, Exerd uh, and Rev t- Rev and Rev Two brought in the little uh, yeah the little Shibi character. You go you sit at an arcade cabinet and then you match up, and generally that worked too as well. But you did have the option to just quick match with people mm. if you wanted to. So right now, Strive has currently got this lobby system going, and while the netcode is really great, that lobby system where you're walking around and challenging people by holding your sword out, unfortunately, it has a lot of hiccups and it's hard to connect sometimes. So the delays and stuff, we're hoping it's to get. That to feel better because uh, while matches feel great once you're connected to someone, the journey to actually getting that connection can be arduous with this new system, you know. And there's your callback to uh, my moment watching Wooly not get to fight Maximilian, dude, amongst, amongst a lot of hype, and everyone's yeah, so hyped up. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but I had both streams up too, and everyone like <laughs> looking at the two chats, everyone was like so geared up for it. You know, <laughs> so, so you mentioned the the reveal at Evo for for Strive, and I gotta say, like, I'll never forget because I was there at the at the, the Mandalay Bay, and you know, the um, the I think the Street Fighter tournament had just finished, and uh, we were all. We didn't know if there were any announcements left, so everyone was walking back out to go, you know, back to the main evil hall in our hotel rooms. And as we were filing out, like they're like, and now an arcs a new trailer from Arxis, and everyone's like, what? <laughs> and we were too far out with the crowd to like go back into the main hall. So like I just pulled my phone out and blasted it and like turned it sideways. And then like a crowd of what must have been like 50 people just surrounded. And I like held the phone up and we all watched the shot of just like the two swords in the ground. And then Kai and Sol pick them up and pull them out. And we just like, ah, you know, just popped off That's like, awesome. oh, my God, look at it. You know, like, yeah, yeah. it was such a cool moment on uh, for the live reveal of that game, man. And and seeing. Honestly, like it was the moment that like uh, you see them do a super where the camera zooms in on like Kai doing ride the lightning and his hair is fluttering and like <laughs> his like it looks like you're like, oh, we are now looking at a Studio Ghibli movie for the next five <laughs> seconds, you know, and you're like, oh, they've mastered the cell shading thing. Yes. No one's so, doing it again, like talking that. about just clean animations. Yeah. It looks so good. I'm so excited to play this fucking game. It's coming out a week from today. Uh, as of this time of this recording, I'm so excited to play it. Uh, Ishiwatari said, unlike Exert, where we relied heavily on anime-type expressions, the big reference point has been live-action movies. We're really trying to push the seamless experience really hard, so we won't suddenly cut to the character's face. Instead, we're trying to make all the camera movement dynamic and seamless. That, I think, is a huge step in our visual expression and experimentation. And um, this game will conclude Saul Bad Guy's story. It will be set in uh, America. The story modes are quite quite enjoyable for these games, by the way, so even if you just want to pick it up for a solo experience, experience in that sense uh it's it's quite solid uh every character from the first game will return to this one except for cliff who is canonically dead uh and uh yeah uh we already talked about rollback netcode i will say this rollback netcode was implemented in a re-release of guilty gear xx accent core plus r uh which was uh dropped in 2020 i have my buddy gifted it to me i played it for a little bit and uh, it's really cool that people are just able to play this uh old ass guilty gear game on with modern online it works it works really well uh quick note about the returning characters there does it actually specify that everyone's going to return my Cliff? That's what I read somewhere, but maybe not. <laughs> okay, because right now there's a lot of speculation as to whether we're, or not we're going to get some favorites returning because uh, not everyone's been announced yet, but there is going to be some DLC. So fingers crossed, you know. Editor's note, I read that somewhere and I don't even remember where it was, <laughs> so it could definitely be completely false. A lot of people are waiting for biking, so <laughs> oh, hell we'll yeah. see. <laughs> I showed my fiance the character select screen from Rev 2 just yeah. to like 
just to be like, what? Because a lot of times if something is too 12 year old uh, aesthetic, she'll be like, this is this is dumb. Mm-hmm. Immediately focused on Biken and Eno and was like, who are they? <laughs> yep. I must know more. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Eno calls you her bottom bitch <laughs> in this drive. It's great. <laughs> just for the record, I wanted to get into it in the episode, but we just kept talking so much about all, everything else that this series entails. But to find out uh, why a time displaced witch is calling you her bottom bitch, why <laughs> Half the female characters are the main character's dead girlfriend, maybe, kind of. Why the main villain is just called that man. Yes. 400 plus years of backstory that is required to understand what is happening in this game. Uh, What is a good way for someone to actually learn all of that? Because it seems like a lot, Willie. Well, uh, as luck would have it, I'm working on a Guilty Gear lore series. And Arxis got in touch and they asked me to, hey... Can you make sense of all this? Whoa, and I'm like, I didn't, yes, we can. yes, I can. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I said, yes, I can. And uh, I got got cracking on putting it all together. So the story is spread over the course of all these games is very, again, hard, convoluted. And at points, it's like not only is it multiple characters and things and endings, but there are canon details in that pachinko machine <laughs> we talked about earlier that you need to know. So I did all the legwork and I found everything out and I put it all on a timeline and I've started the series. It's over on my channel on YouTube uh, on Wooly Versus. Yeah. Um, it's called Heaven or Hell Guilty Gear Lore. Um, as we speak right now, I just dropped the fifth episode, which covers the events of uh, Guilty Gear Exert. Um, so, but all the previous episodes, starting with one, move in, into every entry in the series and explain the full timeline of events of what's happening and we even go over overture the uh the mober game you know and explain what's happening there so that you don't have to that's amazing man uh i will just save everyone a lot of time uh it's saul saul is the guilty <laughs> it was him just in case there were, you were wondering yeah, yeah yeah hell yeah i i i think yeah i'm pretty much good on talking about strive as well i'm so excited to uh play it i also will just throw it out there they revamped the tutorial again mm-hmm. so i'm interested to see their new approach to a fighting game tutorial for some reason that is like mm-hmm. I, maybe it's because that is probably the thing i play the most of every fighting <laughs> game is the tutorial mm-hmm. but i'm always like so fascinated in tutorial approach uh when i pick up a new fighter yeah especially these days now that people really have an understanding of like how to communicate things because playing accent core rev or whatever which one plus r whatever i mean there's no tutorial right for that very complex anime fighter like, yeah yeah because it was like the mold the x iteration yeah. of like that version of the game you know um but like y- this is something that y- you wouldn't think it was as focused on as it is because you know like i think the fighting game community as well has like a perspective from the outside of being like everyone is doing these crazy things they've spent years doing and we don't know how to do them and you know, all we can do is just like peer at these gods <laughs> flying throughout the sky, Daigo and Justin Wong and stuff. But a lot of attention is put into how to teach new players with each of these games. And uh, Strive is trying something as well. We're going to see how well it works this time. Um, there's a huge debate in the community about like what the best way to teach new people is, you know, because, um, yeah, fighting games have always been awesome and really fun and in the background. And just the difficulty of getting people to like, 
get them, you know, has always been a struggle. So um, I want to see if this works and I want to see and I want to take notes and, you know, use that because like I to like try to spend a lot of my time teaching people how to play fighting games and like anything that is helpful in learning how to get over some of these common hurdles is, is uh, a really crucial piece of information, you know? So looking forward to it. We really appreciate having you on this episode, man. I mean, Wooly, honestly, like, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I am legitimately a fan. Check out Wooly's Twitch channel. Uh, it's fantastic. Everything is Wooly versus Wooly versus on YouTube, uh, Wooly versus on Twitch. Uh, and yeah, and if you're again, like look, Guilty Gear Lore is coming out. But besides that, I, I also have a show uh, called Get Into Fighting Games. Hell yeah. And it's a series where we just we grab everything, popular games, ob- obscure, forgotten, terrible fighters. We play like everything and we just uh, we throw them on and we just kind of show you like, hey, we can we, uh, you know, we can learn right now together what this game's about, how to play it. Let's press some buttons and have fun. And uh, we've even got a couple of uh, shows where I bring on someone who's never touched a game before. Oh, awesome. And uh, we walk them through the process of getting the basics, you know? So those are the uh, the newcomers episodes. So it's a good time. I will just say with Fighters, I mean, it's a really fun... It's like many other things. It's really fun to learn because you see vast improvement really immediately. And then you'll plateau out and be stuck in Super Silver mm-hmm. uh, like myself. But, you know, for 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 the that first thrust there, if you really get into it, man, it's just such an enjoyable, rewarding experience. Experience and uh, just really fun for someone who, even for someone like me, I'm not really into that many competition things, but I uh, just love, love fighters. Maybe someday I'll finally find out where the circle button is and how I only <laughs> hit it a quarter of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll work on that. <laughs> the No, I, I was just going to say that, like, uh, you mentioned Maximilian earlier, yeah. and, like, he's a huge, like, he's a friend and a, and a big influence as well because he's, like, he's someone as well that, like, we, we've talked a lot about just trying to be the bridge to bring, you know, people that are spectating these games and thinking they look cool into like touching yeah. them and realizing like these are really fun. Yeah. We can get into it together. Let me show you the way. Hell yeah. So yeah, that's over uh, on, on the channel. Please, and, uh, yeah. Thanks so much for having me on guys. I love, I love fighting games and I love me some Guilty Gear. Thank you so much. Uh, if you want to check us out further, uh, Wiz the Bruiser, I'll, I'll make this really fast. Patreon.com forward slash Wizbrew, five bucks a month. You get that weekly bonus content. Uh, it's so good. Everyone loves it and uh, can't get enough of it. Uh, check me out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Holdenator. So I stream Monday, Tuesday, Friday. Yeah, uh, Jake? Uh, all you gotta do is follow me on Twitter at bestjakeyoung to read all my thoughts and plops and get a uh, little hints of uh, upcoming research from the upcoming episodes. And uh, yeah, really just check out that patreon.com forward slash whizbrew if you just want to help us eat. That's a great great way to do it. <laughs> Love it. All right. Thanks again, Wooly. Wooly versus on everything. Check it out. Uh, YouTube, Twitch. And uh, hey, always remember, never stop bruising. And keep on whizzing. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.